this morning we have an opportunity to hear from a guest speaker. As uh, Dre mentioned, Dennis is in Cambodia. Continue to pray for him as he is. We are just talking about they're like 10 hours ahead of us or something like that. So he is getting ready to uh, teach some classes. Some Vietnamese students have come into Cambodia so he can teach. He's actually teaching. It's really interesting on prosperity gospel and false religions. So that's a tough one to teach. And so they can't teach that in Vietnam. So the students come to Cambodia so that they can actually spend time in the Word of God together. And so Dennis is leading that. Keep him in your prayers. But we have the privilege of uh, hearing from Pastor Andrew Park. He's with Living Faith Presbyterian. If you haven't heard him before, he's fantastic. He's okay. No, I'm just kidding. I love this guy. Most of us know Andrew very well. Andrew, welcome with us today. So good to be with you guys. I love City Light. Um, I love the fact that we're partners in the gospel in LA and also in Vietnam. Some of you may know our church also is involved in Vietnam. So, um, so special love for for City Light. I'm just so thankful for this church. For Dennis too. Dennis, uh, he's a very dear friend of mine. We've we go way back. He's taught me so much, and so I'm so thankful for him. And he's going to be a huge blessing uh, to the people. Um, in Vietnam. But anyway, it's good to be with you and to share God's word with you. Um, The word, uh, the passage this morning comes from Mark uh, chapter 5. So if we can turn there, Mark chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 21 and we'll go to verse 34. Mark 5 uh, verse 21, uh, verses 21 through 34. And this is what the Holy Spirit has to say to the church. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Let's pray. Father, whenever we open your word, you call out to us. You raise your voice to us. Lord, we pray that you would speak noble things, things that are right, things that are true. Lord, 
everything that you say is not twisted or crooked, but the pure and utter truth, as, as you say. And let us see that your word is, is more precious than silver or gold. And let us know that we have such riches in your word, and in particular in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to the gospel, to the beauty of Jesus, to what you have to say to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'd like us uh, to think about Jesus on mission, uh, to look a little bit at who he loved, who are the types of people he loved, and how he loved people. Sometimes we don't take enough time to just look at Jesus and just see how great and awesome he is. And t- today in our passage, we have two stories. And it begins with Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, a very dignified person, perhaps an elite in the society. It begins with him, but then his story gets interrupted by this bleeding woman who's the very opposite of Jairus in society. She's unclean. We'll talk about that. And today, I really want to focus on her. But even just as we begin, notice that you have these two people who are on the total opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You have Jairus, the the ruler of the synagogue, and then you have this poor, bleeding woman. But we see here, even just at a basic level, that Jesus loves them both. And he loves them deeply. I wish we could get into Jairus' story, but we don't have time for that. But he loves them both so deeply. And Jesus loves people in a way that other people can't. You know, there's, there's people who, who love the poor, but they demonize the rich. And then, and then you have people who love the rich, but they despise the poor. Perhaps that could even be a description of the political parties in the U.S. But we see Jesus. He loves the poor. He loves the rich, and he loves everybody in between. Um, Jesus, he loves this woman, and let's talk a little bit about her. She has a chronic bleeding condition. Um, it affected daily life for her. Let's just think about her world. Uh, it, affect, it affected daily activities. You can imagine even just some of the basic things like sitting, walking, walking. That affected her. There was pain, there was discomfort, all those things, and it was for 12 years. So think about this, a stretch of 12 years, not a pain-free day for her. Every day was hard. And maybe some of you guys can relate even here at this level. You have a health issue and it's, it's every day that you have to deal with it. Well, this, this was this lady... But physical suffering was really just one part of her story. I want us to enter her world a little more deeply, a little further. Um, For that, can we turn to Leviticus? If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus uh, chapter 15, uh, verse 25. We'll start there and we'll read to uh, verse 27. Leviticus 15, 25 through 27. I want to give you guys a little bit of background so you can so we can go deeper into this, this woman's world. It says that if a woman had a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days 
of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. Just think about that. She was labeled unclean. You know, if she lived in America, we would say she's sick or she's ill. You know, she's, she's, she has a health issue. But in ancient Israel, it's not just that she's sick. She's unclean. That's her label. Or if we could even think about it another way, she's unacceptable. And clearly from this text, we know this, that because of her uncleanness, she was shunned, she was excommunicated, she was isolated. And that happens when you're deemed unacceptable, you get driven out. People keep their distance from you. And so this is her life. And, you know, it makes me think about the cruel days of elementary school when, we, when you would just label certain people as having cooties. And it was cruel, right? And, and you would be like, don't touch me, like get away from me. You know, if, and if they touch you, you get out your invisible cootie spray, pray, spray yourself down. And I think about the way we treated some of these kids. I mean, they're just kids, but how painful that is. But, you know, I wasn't just dishing that stuff out, but I received it too. I, I was an Asian growing up in Sacramento. There, were, there was pockets of racism there. And just because of my race... I was, I, there was something wrong with me. And in certain circles, I was not accepted. And I was shunned. And that's painful. And that's part of why racism is so, it, it, it's so painful. Because it has these same effects. You're unacceptable, and you're driven out. And this is this woman. But, you know, we tend to forget other things, too. Like Marriage. There's no way this lady's getting married. There's no hope for her to get married. And what goes along with that? Having a family. Absolutely no hope for that. And it says that she sought many physicians. She did her Google research. You know, she surfed the net, so to speak. She was looking at all the latest, greatest treatments, trying every single one, going to all the experts looking for a cure, and you can see her desperation and her pain as she goes to all these physicians. But think also about the vicious cycle of hope and then crushing disappointment back and forth. Hope that maybe she'll be cured, but then crushing disappointment because it didn't work. And so it's this downward spiral. And the scriptures get very detailed about her story. She wasn't getting better, but actually, she was growing worse. And as she comes to meet Jesus, she has run out of money. And as she's run out of money, she's run out of time. And so the light of hope, it's gone dark on her. There's not even a flicker of hope. That that flicker just got snuffed out because there's no more money left. She's tried it all. And so here she has this suffering 
But at this point, her suffering turns to despair. Can some of you relate to that? Whether it's a situation or a sin or a relationship, it's 5, 10, 12 years, 20 years. And it's the cycle of hope. Things are going to get better, but then crushing disappointment. You're not getting better. You're growing worse. And suffering turns to despair. And I think we've all been there. I think we all feel that in some way in our lives. And the thing about despair is that it it can lead us to death. Maybe not physical death immediately, but it can lead to death of hope, where our hopes are just shattered. There's no hope. Death to to joy, death to to peace. And, And you're basically like the living dead. That's what despair does to people. And so you go to work, you go to church, you go wherever. You're there, but you're not really there. Despair can do that to us. It can lead us to a kind of living death. But we also see in this story that death, and I'm sorry, despair, can also lead us to Jesus. Despair can lead us to Jesus. Because as someone once said, you know, when you come to the end of yourself, that when you come to the beginning of God, right? When you come to the end of your own strength and your own answers, that's often where you find God. And I've seen uh, people, whether in my congregation or even outside our church, where things like the despair of infertility, it drives people to the Lord, you know? Or the despair of having a loved one that doesn't believe in Jesus, and it doesn't seem like things are getting better, but they're getting worse. Not drawing closer to Jesus, but further, and it's just agonizing to see, right? But through that, just coming to the Lord. And and so there's something to say about despair and when we have it. In some sense, it's good, because it can lead us to the Lord, as it did for this woman. Um, we ought to have godly despair. I think Jesus even speaks about it. He says somewhere, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, we need that kind of despair. Well, her despair becomes a door to faith, right? And she says, if I, if I just touch his garments, and, and that darkness, all of a sudden, a flicker of light, came back as she, saw, as she saw Jesus pass by. Maybe there's hope again, right? And so she goes out and she reaches out and she touches Jesus' garment and we read it. It says she was immediately healed. Fully and completely healed. And it's as if the sunshine just breaks in to her darkness. And she crosses over from death to life. 12 years of agonizing suffering and then one touch of Jesus and she is healed completely. Now, after that happens, Jesus makes a point to come up to her and to talk to her. He wants to see her and he says, your faith has made you well, daughter. Your faith has made you well. What is Jesus doing there? Well, first of all, he's guarding her from superstition. 
belief that there's magic in the robe, for one, because there's this human tendency for us to place power in objects as opposed to God. Relics, for example, as opposed to God. And we just do that. I didn't think I did that, but even I kind of do that. Um, recently, I, I, I was on sabbatical, and um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of George Whitfield. Uh, the evangelist of the Great Awakening. I don't know if you guys know who he is. But anyways, he's buried in Newburyport, Massachusetts, which is just uh, north of Boston. And so I had a chance to go and and visit there. And there's this story about how um, when he was, uh, when he died, they, you know, they put him in this vault, but his body was exposed and anyone can just see it. So there's this story of Benedict Arnold before he um before he was a traitor, he was about to attack Quebec, and he had his soldiers with him. They were at the church. They were meeting there for whatever reason. And what he did, he took his guys, went down to George Whitfield's body, and they all cut a piece of his robe for good luck as they went to attack Quebec. And if you know the story, they are soundly defeated. It's like the Lord's discipline on them. But anyways, um, you know, people are like that. But what's interesting is I, I got to that church, and... Uh, there was this kind of desk in the lobby, and and uh, the lady's talking to me about it, and and she's like, "Yeah, this was um, the first pastor's uh, study desk," and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And she goes, "And this was also George Whitfield's traveling pulpit when he would preach. He would stand on top of it, and all of a sudden I'm like, huh, whoa." And then I'm like touching it, trying to get some holy juice out of it, you know, like. You know, and then I realized, whoa, 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 you know, it's, we, we do this. We, we do this thing where we forget about God. We start putting power in, in, in objects. And Jesus, he, he wants to be clear with this woman. Hey, I don't have a magic robe. It's because of your faith in me that you've been made well. Your faith in me. And we see what faith in Jesus looks like. We see it in the woman Saving faith is saying, I can't save myself. That even on my best day, I can't save myself. I've tried. And I've failed. But Jesus, you can. You can save me completely. And that is the essence of faith. You know, when I was thinking about this woman, I was thinking perhaps after her healing, she was like, man, if only I had met Jesus sooner. I would have been spared of so much suffering and giving out all this money to these phony physicians. All these false physicians. Man. And I want us to consider that. I want you guys to think about the things that you're struggling with. And is it possible that some of it, just some of it, may be self-inflicted? That you aren't bringing those things, you aren't bringing those things to Jesus. You're going after other physicians, false ones. Perhaps we can call them idols. Where are you taking your pain? And where are you taking your resources, like your time and your money? Where's that going? Or maybe I could even put it another way. You know, she had this label of being unacceptable. One, one thing that really drove her was, I need to get this label off. 
And if I'm clean, that label is off. Right? She's putting her hopes in all these physicians. What, what are you putting your hope in to lift or remove the label of unacceptable that you feel you have on you? We all feel that a little bit of unacceptable. You know, there's obvious ones like career and success, money in the bank, all that kind of stuff. What, what about even things like appearance, right? Being a good parent or, you know, what are we putting our hope in to, to lift off that label of unacceptable? We have to turn to Jesus. That's what we see here. Turn to Jesus. Why? Because he is the great physician. He can do what nothing else can. He's the one who can heal us, and it comes at no cost, only faith. And we see here that Jesus is the great physician because his healing power is absolutely abundant. It's, It's just over the top because we see that she just touches the hem of his robe, and she is healed completely. And you know, that is such a wonderful picture of the gospel. There's this one song that says, just one drop of Christ's blood can make me clean. Just one drop of Christ's blood can wash away all of our sins. I was trying to explain this to to little kids, and I think it really helped me. I I was trying to tell them this. If you have this much Jesus, how much love do you have? If you have this much Jesus, you have this much love. You know, that's the gospel. Someone once said, it's not the quality of your faith that saves you, but it's the object of your faith that saves you, Jesus. And even if you just have a little bit of him, he will save you completely. Now, I want us to think about that. Just, 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 just take that in. If, if, the, if the hem of his robe can save this lady and heal her completely, then guess what? In Jesus, there is an ocean of grace in him, right? There's an, if, if this much Jesus gives you this much love, how much love is in Jesus? It's absolutely incredible. And so when we're in Jesus, we stand before an ocean of grace and we don't even realize it. And so we come to, to Jesus full of dirt, And Jesus has this ocean of grace to wash us clean. And if we're we're still dirty, do you think there's more water for you? It's it's infinite. And that is Jesus, the great physician. That, that, That is the gospel. You know, sometimes when we feel like, oh, I don't know if this, you know, maybe I crossed the border and there's no more grace for me. It's as if you're, you're dirty before this ocean of grace and you're like, I don't think there's enough out here to wash me clean. You get this much Jesus, this much love. How much love is in Christ? How much grace? It's beyond what we can imagine. And even in some sense, we got to say to ourselves, God, I repent. Or say to God, I should say, God, I repent. I have such a small view of you. Your grace is, is, is more than I could ever realize. And in contrast, can I say this? Other physicians or idols, you, 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 get, you try to grab this much, and what do you get in return? Zero. You see how Jesus is, is so far greater 
than anything else. And Jesus says, daughter, be healed of your disease. And he speaks a status change in her life. You're no longer unclean, but you are a daughter of God. And he lifts that, that, that burden, that label. You are a daughter of God. Some of us need to hear that, right? You're no longer unclean. No longer unacceptable. You are a child of God. There's some people here, we need to hear that right now. And Jesus says, be healed of your disease. I don't want to get too technical, but I was thinking, well, didn't you already heal her, Jesus? Be healed of your disease? What is, what is he saying there? I, I think he's saying there, be healed in every way of your disease. Not just the physical. Daughter, be healed of the rejection that came with that. Be healed of the isolation that came with that. Be healed of the lack of self-worth that you've been struggling with for 12 years. Be healed of all those things. Live and walk in the new reality that you're in, in me. Right? Here's your new identity. Be healed of your disease. And the Lord speaks that to us. So Jesus, he's the great physician because he heals us. But we see, we're starting to see that Jesus is the great physician also because he loves us. He loves us. And I want us to see how he loves this lady too. Not just heals her. Now, as soon as the healing power goes out from Jesus, he stops and he's like, who touched me? Who touched my garments, right? And I love the disciples' reaction. They're looking around going, are you kidding me, Jesus? There's all these people around you and you're asking that question? And plus, there's this important guy, Jairus. We got to get to his daughter because she's about to die. And you're going to ask me this question? You're going to ask us this question? Why does Jesus say that? Why does, as the power goes out from him, you know, why does he stop? It's because he knows those that he heals, every single one of us. He knows those he heals and he loves those that he heals. He loves Jairus, but he equally loves this bleeding woman. Jesus loves everybody, personally and deeply. And it's interesting, his love dictates his pace. He's going at a different pace than everybody else, right? The disciples are like, come on. And I could imagine Jairus in the background being like, my daughter's about to die. Let's get a move on here. But Jesus walks at a different pace. And it's because he's constrained by his love. And so his love dictates his pace so that he's walking at a slower pace. And love does that. You know, it causes you to slow down. And Jesus is teaching us how to love people. You have to slow down. Some of us, our schedules are way too strict. Way too unbending. May I be so bold to speak to parents? Sometimes your kids, you make your schedule way too unbending. Some of us, our pace is so frantic. So our schedules are so strict, our pace is so frantic that you know what? We miss opportunities to love people. Or we just don't love people well. It causes us not to love people well. 
And the thing is, God is not American. God's not so impressed with efficiency. He wants us to love people and love people well. Um, Sometimes efficiency and love are at odds with each other. Sometimes love is the most inefficient thing to do. Um, We must love like Jesus loved. And we see his love on display. He's seeking out the woman who touched me. He's seeking out the woman because he wants to see her. He wants to see her face. And he wants to hear her. And he wants to speak to her. And, and in this miracle, this healing, it, it's not just about Jesus. It's about her. See, that's what love does. You're, you're fixated on the person that you're loving. And Jesus stops to hear her whole story. She speaks the whole truth to them. That's why there's so much detail about her, her, her situation, how we know that it was been 12 years, she saw many physicians, nothing worked, she was not getting better but growing worse. It's because she had told her whole story to them. That's why we have the details that we have. And so here's Jesus loving her, and he's loving her by listening to her story. And see, this is how we love people. We take time to listen to them and to listen to their stories, especially their stories of suffering and heartache. I think sometimes we're too quick or too obsessive in fixing people, and that sometimes gets in the way of loving people. I'm not saying you, you have to do 100% listening, you can't speak at all, but Let's be honest, we're not so good at listening. But look at how Jesus loves people. He has conversations with people, and he's not speaking the whole time. He lets them speak too. He goes out of his way to see the woman, to, to see her, to speak to her, but also to listen to her. Right? I think about this elderly story. Let me read it. It's from this one lady. Uh, She was telling a story, and she said, I was so happy when one day a nice young student came to visit me, and we had such a marvelous time. I told her about my husband and my children and how lonely and sad I often feel. And when I was talking, tears came out of my eyes. But inside, I felt glad that someone was listening. But then, a few days later, the student came back to me and said, I have thought a lot about what you told me and how lonely you feel. And I've thought about what I could do to help you. And I wonder if you might be interested in joining this club that we are having. And she says, when I heard her saying this, I felt a little ashamed since I had caused so many worries in this good person, whereas the only thing I wanted was someone to listen and to understand. Sometimes we forget what love is like. But when you look at Jesus, he's the master. We see the way that he works, how he slows down, meets the woman, listens to her story, 
and loves her in that way. And brothers and sisters, we ought to be the same. Um, as I close here, I mean, is there despair in your life? You know, the thing about despair is it does, doesn't discriminate, does it? It hits the high people, hits the low people, and everyone in between. Is there despair? I want to tell you today that Jesus, Jesus is passing by. Won't you grab a hold of him? Because even if you have just a little bit of him, he'll give you more than you could ever imagine. He is the light to our darkness. Can we today stop going to, to miserable physicians and go to the great physician? He's the great physician who heals us, and he's the great physician who also loves us. Right? And I want us to see his saving work, but I also want us to see his loving tenderness too. I want us to see that Jesus, in Jesus is truth and salvation, but also see in Jesus beauty and a life well lived. And and, and when you see Jesus and how wonderful and awesome he is, first of all, know that this Jesus is your Jesus and he is for you and he loves you in this very same way. It's, it's wonderful. But can I put you all on a mission too? That this is the Jesus that we give to other people, that we ought to share with other people. And not only this is the Jesus that we give to people, but that we would also love like him towards others. And when we do that, we're going to be great missionaries in this city and in our circles. So let us see Jesus, the great physician, the healer and the lover of our souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word because it often comes to us and it, 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 it's just, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air. You know, we, we breathe the world and it, it's, it's empty and it's, it's miserable. We breathe it in and it's like spiritual smog and, and, and Lord, we open up your word and we see Jesus and oh, he just brings a different world to us, a different kind of love and a grace that is just even beyond us, that our hearts can barely even comprehend because it's so great. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have him. Thank you that even just a little faith, the sunshine breaks in and gives us light into our darkness. And I just pray for those who are going through any kind of despair that they would see that on the other side is Jesus and he's walking by to just grab a hold of him, to know that he is the truth. He is the great physician. Thank you, God, that you do not leave us to ourselves and to the miserable physicians of this world, but you have broken in. You have revealed yourself to us by faith and through your spirit, help us to grab on tight to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
And in his name we pray. Amen.